0: Delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town.
1: Welcome to episode 32 of Conversations with Oscar Combs presented by Rafferty's. In this episode, we decided to go with not a player, but somebody who has the stories on the players. Tom Wallace, a graduate of Western Kentucky University, and the author of the Kentucky Basketball Encyclopedia, has a wealth of knowledge on the Wildcats. Before this episode, Tom and Oscar will focus on the Rupp years. The Fabulous Five, Cotton Nash, Coach Joe B. Hall, Coach Harry Lancaster, and Dr. Otis Singletary are just some of the names associated with Coach Rupp during the golden years of Kentucky basketball. And who is the Kentucky player that told Coach Rupp he's going to pursue acting? Instead of basketball, Tom tells us. I'm Bo Robinson, and you're going to hear not one of my favorite Coach Rob stories. It's also one of Oscar's favorites as well. It's a quick 55 minutes packed full of knowledge and history that you're not going to hear from anybody else. This is Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's, and his guest, Tom Wallace.
0: Tom, you know, Kentucky basketball is a two-word word chapter by itself. What makes Kentucky basketball? Kentucky basketball going back to the very beginning.
2: Well I think it's a couple of things. I think that you know Kentucky traditionally has not been a very wealthy state and maybe with the exception of the Kentucky Derby hasn't had a whole lot sports wise to be proud of. And you know Rupp comes along and he builds this this machine and takes it all over the The United States early on in his career, and 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 it just it just sort of became one of these things uh, uh, a self perpetuating kind of deal where you had young people who uh, loved the Wildcats and they just grew up they handed it down to their kids so it just it kind of uh, took care of itself and uh, uh, over the years it's grown bigger and bigger now you have Big Blue Nation which is a, a, a kind of a world of its own everybody talks about BBN Big Blue Nation so. Uh, I think it's just a factor of maybe uh, economics and pride, a sense of you know, wanting something to really be proud of, and I, and I think you know, plus you, you won. You know, if you had a, you know, if UK's record was under 500, well, there wouldn't be all this excitement. So Kentucky fans like to win, and uh, and and Rupp gave them that early on, and it's it's carried on with the other coaches.
0: A lot of people think Kentucky basketball actually started with Adolph Rupp in 1930, but there was basketball before that, and there was a guy who had he not uh, demanded a hundred dollar a year raise, we may have never seen eight offer up
2: well i 'm glad i 'm glad he turned it down because everything i 've read about John Meyer, he was a very good coach he was a disciplinarian who brought uh, a, a sense of organization to Kentucky basketball, whereas prior to that they'd been coached by team managers and and who knows whom else? Uh, Basil Hayden came back and coached UK's first All-American, had a miserable season, 3-13 and 13 or whatever. So John Meyer, he, he did a lot of good, and he won, uh, but he played a very slow style of basketball. Uh, I think he had like one guy who was a designated shooter, and then Rubb comes in, and he puts this fast-break, racehorse-type basketball. Whoever's got the ball, has the best shot, take it. And so he really turned it around and made it a lot more fun and a lot more interesting.
0: When when you look back at the beginning of the Rupp era, uh, there were times I've looked in some of the old history books where they played in everything from almost like churches to armories to uh, buildings that sometimes you'd only have a couple hundred chairs in them. Uh, alumni gym, which we go by and looked at in our days before they're renovating it right now to some kind of student center. You look at it and it's, it it wasn't even a good sized high school gym to speak of, but it certainly, with Rupp's arrival, turned it into a cathedral that we all remember.
2: Yeah, it did, and it's really interesting that, uh, that a gym that small was home to some of the UK's greatest teams. And you think about Wawa Jones, Ralph Beard—they played there. Alex Grove, the Fabulous Five, played there. So, but 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 talking about Kentucky playing in weird gyms, as, as you know, I used to work for Kwood, Ledford, and one of the great stories that that Kaywood had some tapes of interviews with Rupp and uh <laughs> he was he was talking he was talking one time to wawa Kaywood was talking to wawa and and he said you know wawa said uh, uh i understand that, that you played in some really tough places when you were playing and wawa said you know Kaywood said just just take vanderbilt for instance He said, We played at Vanderbilt four years that I was at Kentucky, and we played them in four different uh, 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 venues. He said, We played them in a skating rink and an airport. And then he said, We even played them in an L shaped gym. (laughs) And everyone said, What? An L shaped gym? And Wallace said, yeah, that's right, said. And Rupp said that, you know, that when when the boys went down the end of the court and turned away from me, he said, I was really worried. He said, when I saw those boys coming back toward me, I knew everything was okay. But he said he played in an L-shaped gym. I don't think that's true, but it makes for <laughs> it a makes great a good story. story. It is a great story.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you published and uh, authored uh, several encyclopedias on Kentucky basketball that we'll give our listeners uh, information how they can acquire one later in our podcast today, but – Going back and, and creating all of that, particularly in the 30s, uh, what was the landscape like out in I mean, you know, in the 30s, there was there wasn't any even radio, let alone TV. Well, I don't know. How, how did the word get out? Well, I'm not so sure there was not radio. Of course, I'm not. That I'm talking old. about <laughs> of the games now. Yeah, of the
2: games, probably there weren't. I don't know. Word of mouth. Uh... The fact that most of those – It, Kentucky- it takes three years for to make it to hazard. <laughs> but most of those guys were from Kentucky. Most of those early great players, the early All-Americans were were, were, were uh, Kentucky kids. Uh, Cowboy Edwards was the first non-Kentuckian to make uh, to make All-American. He was from Indiana. So, I don't know. I guess word of mouth. Maybe, maybe fans didn't know it that much. But, you know, Rupp, to his credit, he di- he didn't want Kentucky to be just the best team in the South. Very early on – he wanted Kentucky to be on the national stage, and he took early teams to New York. He took them to to Chicago. He took them out west to play Creighton. He took them to Boston. So he wanted Kentucky to be uh, on the international stage. And you know the great story when they went up and played NYU and in, in, in the first time and and they got robbed and the bad calls and and the only one referee even the the Ned Irish who promoted the event went up and apologized to Rupp and after the game someone asked Rupp what did you think about the game and and Rupp you know one of his classic biblical statements said well we were strangers and he took us in
0: <laughs> <laughs> the uh the, the the time period there today's coaches they play golf on the side they do different things Rupp to my knowledge never was a golfer uh, his hobby was raising Hereford cattle. Yeah, he was. And he was a well-known speaker around the country in the off-season talking about uh, genetics of cattle and raising cattle.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, some, that's a, something I don't know. I'm a Central City boy, so I've never been on a farm in my life and had no real interest in being there. So I, I can eat a steak, but that's about the extent of my knowledge of cows. How good was
0: his early teams?
2: Oh, his early teams were great. I, I think – that you've had four great golden eras in UK basketball. And I think his first five or six years from the time he showed up until the one year uh, Cowboy Edwards played in 35, 36 to 34, 35. And then he left uh, after after that one year. But those teams, he had two players that were uh, Helms National Players of the Year and two of his teams were Helms National Teams of the Year, national champions, great
0: players. Today – you mentioned word Helms Foundation All American Honors. Nobody knows what you're talking about. That was the premier All American Honors up until the mid '50s. It was, and also a lot of people don't
2: realize this, but uh, the NIT at one time was a much more powerful and and, and prestigious tournament than NCAA. Uh, I remember Ralph Beard telling me one time that you know that, that playing in the NCAA tournament was like a uh, you know big co- uh, inter- college intercollegiate tournament. Uh, our intramural tournament when the NIT was the big deal.
0: And, and, and both of those tournaments in the early stages of being the NCAA, it was sort of like an invitational tournament chosen by a little group of five or six guys smoking cigars in a back room, playing favorites to their favorite coaches.
2: Yeah. Kind of like today, I guess only it's a bigger room and yeah. more expensive cigars, <laughs> but that's true. Uh, Kentucky won the NCAA tournament back-to-back, 47, 40, 40, 48, 47, Yeah, and then in 49-50, they had a great season and didn't get invited to the NCAA tournament. And why? Well, I'm not really sure why. I, th- I think maybe the, the,
0: maybe the good old they, boys they like decided.
2: But you have 48-49, you have then he won it in 50-51, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell you right now, Oscar, had Bill Spivey been allowed to play his senior year, the 51-52 team would be considered Kentucky's greatest team ever.
0: Was, was his problem the same as Cliff, or was it a different reason he didn't get to play?
2: A different reason. He was charged with perjury.
0: Oh, from the scandal from in New York. From the scandal. Then I got And he was you.
2: never proved guilty, but that team went 29-3 and 3 without him and had you know the he was the greatest big man in the game even at the pro level he was better he killed uh, Lavella in that one showdown and he was a better player than George Mikan so he would have dominated that year instead they go 29 and 3 with Cliff Hagan in the pivot at 6-4 rather than 7-1 Bill Spivey that team would have been incredible
0: when when did Kentucky start recruiting more nationally was that during the war years or right after it, or were they actually recruiting out of state before World War One, and World War Two?
2: Well, I think, I think it was before the, before the war. I mean, you know, Cliff Barker was from, not from Kentucky. Uh, Groza wasn't from Kentucky. But
0: now they actually came here after the war. Uh, well, Barker and – Barker, he, Barker
2: – He was here before the war, and so was Kenny Rollins
0: – Well, I thought Barker was the one that was in prisoner camp and then came back and played. He did, but so did Kenny Rollins. Yeah, but I I think several of them came. But
2: Jack Parkinson came back, couldn't he? He was all American. couldn't get his starting position. Well, I mean, the
0: '48 team—they had several players on there that had already been in the war.
2: Bob Brandon came back. Bob Brandon came back, so uh, and and couldn't make the team and left and went to Michigan State and came back and played against Kentucky and
0: outplayed Alex Crozer. A little 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 trivia here. I hope you know the answer because I've forgotten it. Oh, gosh. The trivia is who's the only player to transfer Kentucky from Kentucky and become an All-American in the Big Ten? Bob Brennan. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I said.
2: He he came back and played against Kentucky yep. and outscored, outplayed uh, Alex yeah, But he
0: made my All-American up there, too. He did. And he, he was All-American here.
2: He was. He played on that Wonder, Wonder Kitten team, the – the, the team in 43-44 that had uh, all freshmen except for two sophomores?
0: Uh, I've had both Humsey Yesen on before, yeah. who's a, a good talker. Yeah, Won't necessarily uh, <laughs> uh, be able to mandate or confirm all he said, but it's good stories. <laughs> <laughs> and Joe B., Yeah, who was around during that era yeah. too. And, and some of the stories they tell about travel and, and things like that are just legendary as to it was still a game of basketball, but it was totally different than what it is today. It was a, a
2: great story of travel. Uh, remember Ermel Allen? He yes. he played back in. The, he was a football player and a and a basketball player and a pretty good little tough little guard. And then and, he then he ended up
0: coaching with the Dallas Cowboys uh, he, at some he, point. I think
2: he did. Yeah, but his anyway, brother
0: was here for several years working for UK.
2: Well, he he was on the on the you know you remember back in those days Rupp. Well, even later on, he didn't change his starting lineup he he had to get a lineup and if you won you you know the lineup just didn't change well Ermel Allen was a starter and then he got sick and he missed two or three games and he loses his starting position well he gets well and he comes back but well, all of a sudden he, now he's on the bench so you got to find a way to get back into the starting lineup so they're on a road trip somewhere and they're on a bus and the guy who taken his place was on the bus sitting there asleep so Ermel Allen goes to his bag this guy's duffel bag, takes out his tennis shoes, opens the window, and throws them out the window. So they get to the game, you know, and they go in the dressing room, and they're going to get dressed, and this guy's got no tennis shoes. So you can't play without tennis shoes. So that's how Ermel Allen got his starting position back.
0: I think it was Mike Pratt that we had on a while back, and he, uh, for some reason, forgot his shoes going on the road trip. And almost didn't play and had to bar somebody. And he said they were about three sizes too small, but he played them.
2: <laughs> well, Mike Pratt's going to play. He's yes. not, he's gonna, they're going to find some shoes for him. Even well, if Phil Kiteley had
0: to give him his. Let's go back to the 48 season. I mean, okay. so much happened around that team. And so few people know a whole lot about it. Today, if you're on ESPN or somewhere and somebody says a Fab Five, they immediately go back to Michigan. Well, what did what, yeah. they ever win? They didn't they yeah. win anything. Yeah. True. But they don't people still don't know about the fabulous five at Kentucky, particularly I call it the forty and Under generation. Uh but, but that team came together, you had all those guys back from the war. Uh I I've had people talk about the practice they had and they said uh Cliff Barfucker, for, for example, smoked and Rupp didn't like that. But I mean here's a twenty eight year old veteran shot down in Germany for fourteen months. Yeah. You know, come back that's adversity. But those guys ended up going to New York. They won the NCAA. Then they participated in a tournament to help select the Olympic team. And at the end of the day, they took half the team from the NCAA tournament in which Kentucky beat Louisville along that way. And then they took half the team from the AAU tournament, which was Oilers. Right. And the coach got to be the coach because they beat Kentucky two out of three.
2: Yeah. And Rupp said he thanked his boys for the first time in his life making him an assistant coach.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but the interesting thing with, about that are uh, two things. Uh, number one is they played one of the exhibition games on Stowe Field. They did. Packed. And not only that, uh, I think it was the Celtics later played an exhibition game on Stowe Field. Uh, I can't remember who it was against another pro yeah. team, but I would I would say if you put that out there today that not five percent of the public would ever know there was a game played on a football field here. Yeah, you're probably you're probably right. Yeah, and, and then after they do that, they get together. Uh, well, but before they play the exhibition series, they form the team, and then suddenly they got no money to pay for their trip to London for the Olympics. So they staged these three games. To me, that's a phenomenal story. It is, time.
2: yeah. And and you know those guys. Rupp always said that was the proudest moment of his life was watching these guys up on that stand uh, getting the the gold
0: medals. Uh, one one of our heroes, uh, the late Earl Cox, got to cover that game because mm. he was going to school at the same time. Wow. And uh, the stories he's told me from making that trip over there, I wish I was uh, 22 years old and get to go to the Olympic team and watch my school compete for the gold medal.
2: Uh, Oscar, I I was just happy to get to go to Owensboro. (laughs) Uh,
0: Let's go to the 49 season. So now you've got a repeat, although some of the players were gone for the 49 season.
2: Now, Ralph Beard said that that team was not as good because they lost Kenny Rollins and Kenny Rollins was the he he felt he was the leader and the glue that really held them together. But again, a powerful team and, and they were really really fortunate. A lot of things happened. Those guys coming back from the service, the fact that because the, of the war freshmen were allowed to play immediately. So when Ralph and and Wawa showed up in 44, 45, 46, they got to play four full years. So all those things came together to really help uh, make that great team and it was a great team two and, great teams actually.
0: and then you go 48 to 49 to 50 and that's the team you think that if
2: no the 50 51 51 52 team because they won it in 50 51
0: yeah i'm talking about the 49 50 team the 49 50
2: team that was a very young team that was spivey was a sophomore. Uh, Bobby Watson, I think, was a sophomore. So it was a very young team, and they did really well. And for some reason, they weren't invited to the NCAA tournament. I'm not really clear on why, but that they weren't given that chance. So,
0: you know, they might have won it that year. Could, could that have been partially because of the ongoing investigation?
2: It could have been. Yeah, it could have been. I, although I'm not sure that the investigation had been started by then because I don't know when that actually started because, you know, remember Beard and Groza were playing for the Olympians in, in their second year in the NBA. When when they were uh, when all that came out when all that came out, so I'm not sure exactly if that fact. And and let's talk just
0: a moment about the Olympians because most people don't know about that either. Yeah, I mean, it's the only team that formed their own NBA franchise. It did, yeah.
2: And it was basically Kentucky kids with a few a few other guys thrown in, and uh, and they were very successful. And the second year that they were in existence, Groza and Beard were first team All NBA, first five All NBA, so they they could play, and uh, you know. Beard was a better player than Bob Cousy, so I always felt like that. The, a lot of the glory that became that came Cousy's way might have been Ralph Beard's way. If he'd been allowed to play. If he'd been allowed to play. And he also wanted to play Major League Baseball, and he was that good. But the NBA commissioner got with a baseball commissioner and said, don't let him do it, so he was banned from baseball, essentially.
0: With, with these guys going to Indianapolis and, and having the Indianapolis or Olympians, it brings me to another subject, and that is – what became? Why did so many Indiana players over the years, even up to now, suddenly matriculate to Kentucky to play, and often uh, say no to IU in the process?
2: Uh, maybe they just they liked Kentucky. Seen tradition. the line uh, Maybe they didn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> could have been that,
2: or maybe they didn't like Bobby Knight. I don't know. But uh, even before him. Yeah, even before him. Yeah, they've had a lot of good you know, Indiana players have, have come to. Indiana kids that have come to Kentucky. So uh, I don't know why that is, but we'll take them. Uh, you know, you got to take them wherever you can get them. <laughs>
0: the uh, The fifty two, fifty three year uh, was the last year. Uh, was the last year before the fifty three? Uh, that was a was year that they didn't have a set season, out. Didn't have
2: a season. They didn't played, have a t- played uh, scrimmage played four games. scrimmages. I right, think. Yeah.
0: And my understanding is. Maybe it's from reading your encyclopedia. But supposedly, they packed the Coliseum for every scrimmage. Well, I'm sure they would. Yeah, you have Hagen and Ramsey and Siropoulos and all
2: those guys. Yeah, why wouldn't you come and see them? It's your only chance to watch them play, so that that wouldn't be surprising at all.
0: And then in 53, 50, Rupp thinks he's throwing an NCAA curveball. He's going to come back, come back with Hagen and Ramsey, 53, and Siropoulos. And then as soon as they take off, his old adversary, Walter Byers, who he famously said he wasn't going to retire until he handed him another trophy, if right. I remember right, right. Uh, came in and did a um, made a decision that not even the current NCAA president is stupid enough to make. You've attended too many classes.
2: Yeah, they were graduate students. Yes. And uh, like Cliff Hagan told me one time, he said, we were penalized for actually doing the right thing. Yeah. We stayed in college. And, and rather than – I think he and, and uh, Ramsey had both been drafted, maybe even Siropoulos. But they stayed in college that extra year and, uh, and got penalized for it. And,
0: and undefeated.
2: Undefeated. Powerful team. If you look at the record, I think there's only one or maybe two teams that played within 10 points of that team. I think their winning margins was something like 26, 27 points. The toughest team they played that year was LSU. You know, they beat LaSalle, and LaSalle won the, won the NCAA tournament. And and Cliff Agan said that that was not anywhere close to the best team they played. LSU was with Bob Pettit. So, uh, that's a team that I think would have won it. So you could have won it in forty, forty eight, forty nine. 48, 49. We don't know about 49, 50 because they didn't get to play. They won it in 51. I'm convinced they would have won it in 52. They didn't play in 53. And if they'd have played in 54, they would have won it. So, yeah. And, had...
0: and, and so when you look through there and suddenly we go into a little dip, um, was that a reflection upon the scandal, uh, costing up some players they may have gotten that would have been there, or was it just one of those things? that
2: No, I think it's a combination of things. If you, they, had, they had some really good players who came in who didn't stick around for whatever reason, uh, Bobby Slusher, uh, Mickey Gibson, guys like that. Linville Puckett left.
0: Well, and, now, well, the, now we, and, we really do know why some of those left.
2: Yeah, we do. But they were gone. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they weren't here to help win games. But also, it, like, take the 56th take uh, senior class in Kentucky High School. You had Kelly Coleman, Corky Withrow, Roger Newman from Greenville, uh, Jackie Moreland signed, Don Mills from Berea, and all those guys signed, and Don Mills is the only one that played four years. Roger right came and played as a freshman. Yeah. And then it came back three, well, four years later. Coleman a didn't senior. know. Coleman didn't know.
0: But that was a story to because Rupp caught West Virginia cheating, turned them in, and then he never got to play for West Virginia. That's true. Ended up going to Kentucky, Kentucky Wesleyan, Westland. which at that time was not in Owensboro. That's it was right. In Winchester, Winchester. Kentucky.
2: Now, uh, Russell Rice, our good friend Russell Rice, told me that uh, – that when they signed Jackie Moreland, that was an adventure too, because they said everybody was trying to recruit him. He was this left-handed, scorer, 6'7", really good player. And he, uh, his, his trunk showed up here with his clothes and everything, but he didn't. <laughs> so he'd been hijacked, I think, by Clemson or North Carolina State, one of those schools, and they got put on probation. He never played there. So he went to southwestern Louisiana and led the, the country in scoring. Uh, Corky Withrow – uh, from my hometown of central city graduated was a first team all-american high school player he signed he was the first one to sign out of that 56 class then in the middle of the summer he signed a baseball contract with the brewers i mean with the milwaukee braves and that made him ineligible to play at the division one level so he ended up playing two years at georgetown scored 1300 points or whatever and played on a georgetown team that beat louisville in freedom hall the louisville team that beat kentucky that year in the NCAA tournament
0: my first recollection or following Kentucky was in the early mid fifties, and from that time up to the very end, Rupp was well known for having a full roster where they'd be fifteen, eighteen, or whatever. But very rarely did he get past the number seven player on the roster. Yeah, uh, <laughs> was that also true back in the thirties and forties? I think it? so. I don't think he. I don't think he
2: played. Uh, uh, I don't think he went deep into his bench.
0: I, I, if you if were a I,
2: scrub, you were a scrub.
0: If memory serves me correctly, I think it was uh, Tommy Harper who led the state like 40 points a game or something and may have not played 40 minutes once he got here. <laughs>
2: well, there probably were a lot of them like that. You know, Pat Doyle was a Mr. Basketball. He didn't play a whole lot at UK. Uh, so there were probably a lot of them like that. Uh, what What Joe B. Hall say that they had the Fabulous Five and the Sorry Seven? He was on the Sorry Seven.
0: <laughs> the – we we get we get through fifty five fifty six fifty seven and come back with a fifty eight team, which was quite frankly uh, not so supposed to be very good.
2: I think that you, I, I, that's the weakest of UK's NCAA championship teams. Now, to their credit, they played the best basketball of the season when it counted. But I don't. I'm not sure they either didn't win the SEC outright or they tied and maybe shouldn't have gone to, even gone to the NCA tournament. Went because I mean Mississippi State didn't go because they wouldn't play against black kids, so they went and they, and they had very they got the good break of playing two games, in Memorial Coliseum. The, they, they never left the state and of Kentucky. Two in Freedom Hall. They never left Kentucky.
0: I wonder if they also got to use their own refs.
2: I don't know about that, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but they, they but, played
2: great basketball. They beat a really good Notre Notre Dame team and played and beat Temple and and and, and of course and, and Freedom Seattle, Hall. Yeah,
0: was the night that Walt Byers had to hand him that trophy, yeah. and it would turn out to be his last yeah. trophy. Yeah. Did you see anything during that time period, 57, 58, 59, that would lead you to think maybe this is the apex of the Rupp era? They're not going – because they had three or four great teams after that.
2: They did. I think one of the things that uh, uh, that maybe Kaywood even told me that, was that, Rupp, that Rupp just really – had sort of fallen off, lost maybe lost interest in some of his recruiting, uh, didn't go after it as hard as he did. He'd gotten a little older. Uh, Lancaster was getting older. So they had a period there where they didn't do really – they missed out on like Jeff Mullins. But then they got Cotton Nash. And of course, like Kaywood said, Cotton saved the program. And then after that – But now uh,
0: Jeff Mullins already wasn't a local guy. Well, I mean, no, he wasn't. He, he wasn't was, a local guy. But he, but he, he, he was Mr. here, Basketball. Yeah. but he, he came in late. Yeah, right. You yeah, know, he did. Wouldn't but, like to lose any Kentucky kid. Right, yeah. But,
2: uh, you know, he's in your backyard as a senior in high school, so you'd love to have had him. And it would have been great He, he
0: him playing four years with Nash. How how, how in your research, uh, how did he recruit back then? I mean, you know, and I I know one guy that you and I both know and is a good friend of both of us and everything, and he likes to claim that he was Rupp's first recruiter. And that's Donald Quack Butler. <laughs>
2: Well, now, now you talk about a guy who who you just you want to believe about. You eight, have to, you eight, have to eight, smile when about you About nine percent of what he says because I had a big argument with him one time. He claims that, that Corky Withrow did never sign a letter of intent to UK. He claims that the only reason Corky came to UK was because Quack told Rupp that he ought to take him, and that's not true because I've seen the letter of intent.
0: Uh, but now Quack <laughs> was responsible for one guy being here. And he basically was his surrogate father during his high school and grade school days. that's Cliff Hagan, really? yes, I didn't know that. yes, I mean he was pretty much his father in high school wow,
2: well yeah. that, that, you know, I tell you what Wood said about Cliff Hagan. He said – pound for pound, Kaywood said any player anybody that picks an all time u k starting five that does not include Cliff Hagen has no clue what he or she's talking about.
0: I would that, agree with him that's on that. that's how much too. he
2: thought about cliff hagen
0: uh so so I've heard so many people over the the years say that, you know, they wouldn't even meet Rupp until sometimes they were on campus. In other yeah. words, the recruiting was done. So they just said, we want you. And they'd send them a letter and they'd sign it and send it back.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, back in the old days, they had a lot of guys walked on and then mm-hmm. they, they came in and just in a herd and, and he would pick a few out of that. But, uh, you know, back early on, Rupp's reputation was such that players, he didn't really have to recruit. He, they just wanted to be here, a lot of those guys. So I, I do think there was a, a fall off. I think that it had Joe B not showed up when he did that things really would have gone downhill he He really turned it around from a recruiting standpoint and from a conditioning standpoint
0: and that was in uh, nineteen uh, 65. summer sixty five right right Yeah, summer and 65. and he
2: came in and he he really upped the conditioning program uh, he he, he uh, expanded recruiting and uh, and he was instrumental in integrating the program
0: and and when harry Uh, stepped down as assistant coach and become AD. There are some people who point to that as a beginning of the uh, partnership that they had had for so many years that suddenly now the assistant was the boss and the boss was the assistant.
2: Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I think there was a little bit of a falling out between those two. I think they made up toward the end.
0: If memory serves me correctly, one of the uh, – Harry visited Rupp right before his death. Yeah, and they had a sort of a coming to, coming yeah. to the Jesus type yeah. thing. Yeah,
2: well, that's good because they they're so linked together, you know, and uh, all the and, and the success that they brought to Kentucky. It's, it would be sad if they went out as enemies. So it's good that they made up.
0: Uh, you grew up in Central City. I did. Uh, spent some time in Vietnam. I did. And I prefer
2: Central City, by the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, when did you start covering Kentucky? as a sports writer
2: oh as a sports writer when i was with the gleaner in henderson uh, which was i was from uh, 80 83 to 86 and then i came to work in uh, 86 did you ever get K-Work. to know
0: Rupp personally in his latter years no i never met Rupp. never met never, Rupp. no 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 um what would you have asked him if you were with him today if i were with him today yeah, if he were uh, alive today, and you could sit down to him, and what would you want to know about him that only he—that's a great you. question. I never
2: thought about that one, Oscar. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'd probably ask him. I would probably ask him something about Ralph Beard, since I adore that man so much. I would probably, uh, I would probably ask him something about Ralph
0: Beard. Uh, when I moved down here in '76, was his last year and a half of his life. He died in December '77. Right. And happened to move not more than half mile from him, one street over. And uh, I'd met him and done some stories on him in the throughout the '60s, and I'd got to know him pretty well because he was a good friend of the Dahlher family. And he'd come to Hazard after he retired and show up at the store and help Willie peddle some suits and things. <laughs> and so when I came down, I went by and visited him one day, and he talked me in. I can't, I went by his house three days a week uh from may of 76 to uh, right around may of 77 when his health really deteriorated and i'd go by every monday wednesday and friday and go to the post office for him he was always autographing things sending them back and uh, i had some really unique conversations and all during that time he is very very laid back in a good mood 99 percent of the time wants to be stroked as anybody at his age would be with and Love to hear people pay compliments to him, and he would always uh, say, "What do you think about this team?" You know, and I would say, "Well, coach, I think they're they're pretty good, and uh, they're they weren't as good as your '66 team." Now, <laughs> and he just smiled from <laughs> ear to ear. But but I never forget. You know, he and, and Otis did not part ways well. Otis being Otis Singletary, who pretty much forced him in retirement, being. 1972, and you're very young. What were your thoughts at the time as to where he should be allowed to stay or he should have to go?
2: Well, obviously, I wanted him to stay because I didn't know. You know, my whole lifetime was Adolph Rupp was the coach, so I, I was I would have been in the camp that wanted him to stay. I'll tell you an interesting story that Kaywood told me. He was talking to Otis Singletary one time, and Otis said, you know, when, when he took over as president at UK, he was looking at the salaries of all the teachers and and people on on campus." And he came to Rupp, and it was like $19,500, 19500 And Singletary was just appalled. He said, this man has been coaching all these years, and he's won four NCAA championships, and that's all he's making. So he bumped Rupp up to something like $32,500 immediately. Now compare that to what these coaches are making today.
0: Well, but, but that was very impressive for him. It was. <laughs> especially being a guy who came in as a football man. Well, he
2: did he, football and wrestling in high school.
0: Yes, and, and, of course, under Pran Kersey, they did have a wrestling program. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant Rupp. Uh, no, uh, no, but what term, I'm saying yeah, is yeah. under Singletary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the end of that line, though, he, with him and Singletary, I'll never forget. I was in his office one morning, and this would have been in uh, late November, early December of um, 76, right after the election. Jimmy Carter had been elected president, and Jack Patty, we all know, a young, young Jack Paddy being 40 <laughs> years ago, says we're breaking into this program right now. We've got a news bulletin from our newsroom. Uh, we'll be right back to join you. Come in. We have just learned that President Jimmy Carter has nominated Dr. Otis Singletary to become the next Secretary of Education. We'll have more on this breaking news story at noon today. <laughs> And Rupp is sitting there in his very easy chair, and he's got a little stand where he signs something, and I'm sitting there next to him, and he just pauses, signs up, and raises up. Esther, <laughs> come in here and turn this god radio off. <laughs> Otis is trying to get him another race. <laughs> she comes in and turns it off, and... He turns to me, he said, he ain't going nowhere. He said, next week they'll give him a raise. <laughs> and a week later to the day I'm in there, and they break in and say, he's turned down the apartment, <laughs> and he's been given a raise. Well, you know, the Singletary, you got to be
2: fair, he was only following the rules. You know, Rupp was the mandatory retirement age, so he, he, he just followed the rules. But
0: And amazingly, today he couldn't have fired him.
2: He, that's true. That's
0: true. But I, I have to agree too, at the time he'd had a lot of the illnesses with diabetes, yeah. his foot. It was tough for him to getting around. Yeah. And we we can't ignore the fact that sadly the national perception of him with African Americans was not positive and other schools used it against him oh, yeah. And that's something I I want you to talk about a little bit about the Jim McDaniel McDaniels era there when they went to Western. Jim Rhodes, Jerome Perry, Clarence Glover. And Kentucky recruited all those kids. Butch Beard. Butch Beard. And he, he did bring in Tom Payne, which turned out to not work very well. Right. Uh, but at the times that I've talked to people that's been associated with those players, and Jimmy Rosen has been one of them, it's just that it was the other recruiters were saying, you don't want him to play there and go to Mississippi. Or Alabama, I won't mention the schools. It's not fair to them, yeah. you know. And uh, it would have been difficult because I I can remember 1977 uh, in one of the Mississippi towns. And I was there with uh, Dwayne Casey, a young Dwayne Casey, and we walked up the street, walked into a restaurant, and they served me. And they said, "But he can't come in." And I said, "Well, if he can't come in, I can't come in." But that was eye opening me in nineteen seventy
2: seven. Yeah, well, you know, and if you're a parent, and you and you are the your son is Wes Unseld or Butch Beard, and can 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 that coach can Rupp, or can, could he and, guarantee and, that that he could take my son to Starkville or Oxford? They
0: shoot people in
2: Oxford at school and and, and, make, and come and home Rupp, safe.
0: And Rupp was very honest in those situations. He Said, "I'm going to do everything I can, right. and I don't think anything will ever happen." But I'm not going to sit here and say something can't happen that I can't control.
2: Yeah, I think Rupp's getting a bad rap on that. We well, he he always, always did get had, a bad
0: rap on that. You know, the the
2: very first game played in in, in Memorial Coliseum, there was a black player. He came in. It was no big issue. Well, and, you know, uh, what,
0: tell tell our audience. I mean, what we we've talked about several times. I think he coached one at Freeport. I think he did. In high I, th- I,
2: th- I think he did too. I'm yes. pretty sure that's true. Yes. Yeah. So I don't I – don't, you know, I think Curry Kirkpatrick did about as much to harm Rupp's reputation as anything. And
0: Frank DeFord.
2: And Frank DeFord. I also believe, and, and this is going to sound horrible maybe, but I believe that about 90, 90% of the people who claim that they watched on television the Kentucky-Texas the Kentucky, Western game didn't actually watch it. Because this was long before CBS. It was long, it was long before UCLA and, uh, and Houston and the Astrodome. This was long before the road to the championship. I don't think that any network actually carried the NCAA tournament back in 66. Different stations had the option of doing it. So I think a lot of people who claim to have seen it are, are thinking of, are, didn't really see it. They want to believe that they saw well,
0: it. Well, I know this. I know and I, I remember – the time and, and that that was never an issue in the media or any. It really didn't come up until Curry Kirkpatrick was doing a story on the 20th anniversary of it. I was
2: in basic training at Fort Knox when that game was played, and I borrowed a transistor radio from a guy, and I got under the covers and listened to that game. And when that game was being played, I didn't know if if Bobby Joe Hill was black, white, blue, or green. I didn't know if Big Daddy Latin was black, white, blue, or green. I didn't care. I just wanted Kentucky to win. And if somebody had told me that that, that was five black players, I still wouldn't have cared. I wanted Kentucky to win. It had nothing to do with any color except blue and white Wildcats.
0: Well, as as, as time evolved, you know, had Kentucky lost what was in the semifinal game to Duke, yeah. would a Duke – Vic
2: Bubas, would they be saying the same yes. things about him that they do about yes. Rupp? No, and wasn't. I
0: don't because Vic Bubas wasn't known as great a coach as Rupp was, and a lot of his rivals wanted to take Rupp down to where maybe he couldn't start recruiting them. It would have been neat if Rupp had been ten years younger than what he was, right? Because everything just happened at a period of time in his life. That he was beginning to bow out because of age.
2: I think the 1950s is probably the most legendary uh, decade of of Kentucky high school basketball, but the 60s, without question, is the most talented. Mike Red,
0: and that's the first decade oh, of African American. playing, and,
2: and there was just so many great players, that, and 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 Kentucky didn't get any of those guys, and they and they went to Western, they went to other places, Cincinnati. Tom, the Big T, Thacker, he Tom went. Thacker. So, you know that and you just think about what it would have been like if you had Wes Unsell on the Fabulous Five, or you know Clem Haskins and Clem. A lot of people don't realize this. Clem Haskins went to went to Louisville for a few weeks and then transferred to Western. Uh, Wayne Chapman, you know, who of course wrecks his dad, he went to UK and was a freshman with Riley and Dampier. Then he goes to Western. Right. So they you know they load up and Kentucky's kind of uh, at that time they have some great teams, but you know they, they could have been better. I think.
0: Look, looking back at it, to the Rupp era, give me five players. Well, starting five, then 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 yeah, I just give, give me your top five, regardless of position.
2: Well, then I get into my favorites.
0: Yeah, are you well, talking, are you talking well, about, Wait, 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 a minute. let's get the, ones, wait, that wait, Look, the ones that I saw play, or the ones that
2: are the legends.
0: Here, let's just go this way. <laughs> we're gonna get it. We're gonna get rid of your favorite five. Right off the top. Give me your favorite five. My favorite five? Yeah. Well, Cotton Nash is number one. Okay. Uh,
2: now, now, these guys I saw or didn't see. I, I didn't I, see I, Ralph Beard. The, the entire Rupp era. Oh, okay. Well, Ralph Beard, obviously, he'd be number one probably. Uh, Hagen. And this, don't put down one, two, and three. This is just off the top. You know, Beard's going to be up really high. Uh,
0: I'm just counting. I can't count past two on my uh,
2: fingers. Dan Issel and uh, uh, uh give me Dampier. here. I gotta have a shooter out there. Just you know.
0: Okay, now <laughs> your top five. Now you got your favorites out of the way. Again, I I, I get
2: to pick guys that I that, that I didn't see oh, play. Oh, absolutely.
0: I'm, well, Beard I'm Beard's
2: about... one of the guards. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, I got to have Issel. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Did Kenny, Kenny Walker didn't play for up, did he? Nope. So, you got Issel. got to have Hagen. I'm going to stick Cotton Nash in there. I don't care what anybody
0: says. You don't have Ramsey in here.
2: Well,. Okay, put Ramsey in. I can let You know, if you ask me tomorrow, I'll give you five different ones. Anyway. I know so, it. I know it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what Rupp said about Ramsey. You know, if we win by thirty, he gets three. But if we win by three, he gets thirty. So, <laughs> so yeah, Ramsey. Yeah. And, you know, he's got more NCAA championship rings than you know
0: jewelry store probably. Who was the best player during the Rupp era that you remember that didn't finish up at Kentucky? Left early. If he'd stayed. Is there one that sticks
2: out? See, I never saw Slusher play. I saw Mickey Gibson play. Uh, Maybe Linville Puckett. I mean, he was a terrific player. Uh, he, he led the rebellion in at fifty five it's four fifty five season oh, that's but, a story that and, said. yeah i know and 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 we'll
0: let you tell your version <laughs> no because I, I I've heard so many different uh, versions uh, you
2: know I bought some cheese from Linville, and I, I, t- I guess, he, he
0: just he just stopped making it about uh, six months. I ago. hate that it was good it's very good and yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: he told it but he he always you know according to him, the villain really is Billy Evans so
0: well <laughs> the, the the thing was is Everybody told him, "Hey, we'll be there right behind you." Yeah. He turned and looked over his shoulder. And there, there's nobody there. Yeah, that's true. He, he pulled a one-man uh, uh, boycott. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Now, now, now the fact of the matter is, though, to to put it in perspective, Rupp said uh, he retired the jerseys of the seniors that year when he was an underclassman. Right. I think he was like a sophomore, maybe. He was a sophomore. And said, "Now, when these guys leave." Will retire their jerseys. But his full intention was that they would be leaving after their senior year, not transferring. <laughs> and that's when they didn't retire it. Yeah, well,
2: he was on the championship team, so if they're going to, to retire championship teams' jerseys, his should have been
0: retired. But they didn't always re- retire, they didn't retire unless they were seniors.
2: No, but and, and he up there, and Jerry Bird?
0: Were they seniors? They were sophomores. Yeah, but they finished school. Well, still, I mean, that doesn't seem quite right. Well, you know, there, there was an era there when you there were certain particulars you had to do. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the things I wanted to chat a little bit with you about, and they've changed that to this, they throughout out the Rupp era all the way up until Patino. Uh, if you made third-team All-American, it was not recognized by the University of Kentucky. Yeah. You had to be the first or second team of a five-man team. If it was a 10-man team like Helms Foundation was and another uh, – a tremendous honor back then was a Saturday Evening Post, and they had two ten men. You had to be first or second team of a five man team, or first team of a ten man team. And there were several players over the years. There were six of them, I think, that yeah. only got proper credit for that about ten years ago. Yeah, when they changed the ruling on it. Yeah. Uh,
2: Including Billy Ray Lickert. Including of our, Billy Ray Lickert. Bobby good. Watson was one. Is Thad
0: Jarris was one. Our good friend, Billy Ray Lickert. Yeah. Yes. And uh, Billy didn't know about it yeah. <laughs> for some time, even after they put it in there, because they had to remove a guy that was listed as an All-American. Uh, I think his name was Dave, Dave Lawrence. Dave Lawrence, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that's another story that got in there. <laughs> That's our Russell oh, he, Rice story. He was
2: a pretty good player, though, Dave Yeah, Lyons. but
0: but he he didn't appear in the media guide as an All American until 1992. Oh, okay, <laughs> and it was put in by an SID that was only there one year, through the courtesy of a phone call from Florida, like they they left him out. And then I'll just go ahead and tell the rest story. Scott Strickland, when he was here,
1: yeah,
0: SIDs around the country had been given a lot of rough push by their coaches, new coaches coming in, like. You know, this guy here was an All American, but we don't list him. We might have been all, all mentioned All American for uh, ZMT.com <laughs> or the local uh, Thousand Sticks Weekly newspaper. <laughs> and so all these SIDs would get trouble, and you know, they're a great pay grade below the level of a coach. right? So they were having such trouble, they called the NCAA and said, Hey, we need an official listing for all All Americans. Would you compile that for us? And uh, guys named Johnson, Dave Johnson, with NCAA statistics. That might not be Davies a Johnson. Anyway, they agreed to do it. They said on this condition: each school, you got to provide us the names. We will certify what we think is a legit All-American per era. Helms in 40s and 50s, you know. Sardine posts get up to the 80s at USA Today. And all. So they brought them all in and submitted them to them. And Kentucky did, too. And then when Kentucky got theirs back, they said, you've got six now that qualify that work properly. But you've got a problem. You've got one that we can't qualify for. It. <laughs> well, who is it? Well, it's Dave Lawrence. <laughs> and so Scott Strickland calls me and said, you know Dave Lawrence? I said, mm. I've heard the name, and I think he was on the team with uh, maybe DeMoisi.
2: He was back yeah. He was
0: back in uh, th- the 33, was, there 34, a, 35. There was another All-American 36. on the same team.
2: Well, it could have been Frenchie DeMoisi. I think been, it's Frenchie. It could have been, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I said, I remember him, but he said, well, said they say he's not an All-American. And he said, we've looked in the media guide, and he's here. And so <laughs> I just opened up our yearbook, yeah, which I had – First started in 80, and all I did was just upgrade it each year. Yeah. We didn't have him in it. And I thought, hmm. So we started doing the media guides from one end to the other and made it in the middle, and suddenly the first time he appeared in the media guide was 92, 93. And there was an SID here at the time. I won't mention the individual's name. Only here one year. Really good SID, but left after one year under Patino. And uh, all of a sudden, it was there. And so I called up Russell, who's in Florida for that time. <laughs> Russell, you know Dave Lawrence? Yeah, yeah, I know Dave. Good friend of his son. And uh, I said, was he an All-American? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I said, well, when did he become All-American? He said, oh, he's All-American all along, as far as I know. <laughs> when I got to look into the media guy, they had a picture of all of them in there. Yeah. And one picture stood out as much bolder than all the others. Like, been inserted at a different time. (laughs) Dave Lawrence. So, you know, we don't say anything. And so, at the time, UK made a decision not to put out a release about the new ones. Because at this period in time, Mitch was still under a lot of criticism from the public. Him and Rich Brooks. Ditch Mitch and Rich. Remember that? Hell yeah. And so... They said if we put out this release about these six new ones, which will be great, but then we mentioned that once taken out, that family isn't gonna like it. And if we don't miss it, they figured out we're gonna it. so we're just gonna take all the pictures out, list all the all Americans, including the new six and let it be. And uh so they did it and uh of course I ran into Billy one day and he didn't know about it and I showed him. So about two years later, phone rings one day. Bless you, Russell. <laughs> he starts talking. He said, Oscar says, I got, I got to tell you something. I said, What's that, Russell? As soon as he told me that with Russell, the tone of the voice, I knew where He said, I'm the one that put Dave Lawrence in to be a guy. He said, I told his son, Dave later went and was a professor at it the looked, University of Lloyd for years. For many years. Yes. He said, I promised him before he died that he was a lot better than a lot of the other All Americans and I'd get him proper recognition. So that's the story. Look, looking back on the entire Rupp era, how would you explain it to the public today and his place in the history of college basketball in this country?
2: Well, I think he's got to be ranked as one of the four or five greatest coaches ever. I mean, he took a program that was nothing and turned it into uh, Big Blue Nation. He turned it into a machine, he turned it into uh, a multi million dollar business. And none of that likely would have happened had anyone other than Rupp come here with his personality, his drive, his ego, his knowledge of the game, his willingness to uh, expand the game. So I think that uh, his place is is secure. And I think he's one of the great Kentuckians and not just as a, as a basketball coach, but one of the really influential and powerful Kentuckians of all time.
0: Would Memorial Coliseum ever been built? It was built as a tribute to our veterans of uh, many wars. correct. Uh, would have it have ever been built if they had not had those back-to-back 48, 49 seasons?
2: Probably not. I don't I don't see how it would have because, you know, there was a lot of uh, skepticism and complaint. White elephant. White elephant. There, no way you can get 12,000 people into a, a basketball game on a, on a regular basis. And, of course, you know, they'd fill it up, in that, and that then he had to have a up arena. Now they're talking about probably trying to build a bigger one, although they're crowds are down a little bit this year so uh, no I don't think it would have happened had they not had those great teams because you have those great teams playing in the alumni gym and you have people uh, only a certain number of people can get in and I think they alternated tickets or something I forget how Beard told me they did it but you had a lot of people standing outside and be fight fist fights people trying to get in so they had to do something and, and, and so I think that
0: was just logical. Do you have any single story that any of the former players like Beard or Hagen or Ramsey related to you from their playing on the that stands out in your memory.
2: Well, I just remember asking Beard. You have to remember Beard went to UK as an 18-year-old, and a lot of people don't realize this, but he was a starting halfback for for the first three games as a freshman, and had his shoulders separated, and and decided he was too small to play football. He was going to stick with the basketball. But uh, you know, I I think that, you know just hearing him talk about. I asked him one time, were you, were you, were you scared of Rupp? He said, I was terrified. I said, well, what about Wawa? He said, no, I said, Wawa was never young. He said, he was (laughs) always older. And so, uh, but I said, he said, a guy like, uh, Barker, you know, he had his teeth bashed in by a German soldier with the butt of a weapon. He said, is Rupp going to scare that guy? No way. (laughs) You know, but he said, he he was terrified of him, but he would have done anything for Rupp. He loved Rupp and, uh, uh, I remember Cotton. I asked Cotton Nash one time. I said, Cotton, what was your relationship with Rupp after the season? He said, Never saw the man. He said, Once the season ended, I never had. I never saw Rupp till October fifteenth. And of course, nowadays coaches are in these players' kitchens from twenty-four hours a day, twelve, twelve months out of a year. So the but things have really changed. But uh, uh I mean, there's a million stories to tell. CM told me a great story about a, a little-known player named Reed Morgan. Uh, the, he was on that fifty fifty one team that won it, the NCAA championship, and and I was doing the the research for the Kentucky Encyclopedia Basketball Encyclopedia, and I had this picture, but I, I didn't know who he was. I couldn't, so I went to CM's office, and he said, I said, he, he saw said, oh, yeah That's Reed Morgan. I said, do you know the story about Reed Morgan? I said, no. He said, well, he was an actor. He was on this TV show called The Sarge, with he wore a patch on his eye, and he was a uh, with Henry Fonda he said anyway he was playing at uk and he was going to be in, wanted to be an actor so he didn't get to play very much so Rubb decided he was going to cut him from the team take away his scholarship so he got word to reed morgan that they were going to meet and he needed to be in Rupp's office at a certain time so uh rub didn't want to do this alone he had to have harry there with him but anyway somehow or another somebody told reed morgan what was going to happen that he was going to get cut so he walks up to the, de- the time of the meeting. He opens the door, and Rupp's sitting there, and, he, and, and before Rupp can say a word, Reed Morgan says, Coach, I just want to tell you I'm quitting basketball. I'm going to uh, concentrate on my acting career. And what that means is that the next time you see me perform, you'll have to pay to get in just like everybody else did. And he <laughs> turned around and walked out and left R- Rupp didn't say a word. One of the few times Rupp's ever been uh, turned out to be silent. But that was, to me, one of the great stories.
0: If you were given a eulogy to Adolf Rupp, what would you say?
2: Well, I, I think Bob Hope said it. Thanks for the memories. You know, uh, you know. Thanks for giving us something to be proud of. You know, something to to uh, to hold up and say, "Look, we're we're Kentucky basketball fans, and we're pretty darn good, and we've been pretty darn good for a long time."
0: You have uh, authored uh, Kentucky Basketball Encyclopedia in what now it's fifth or sixth edition it's fourth, or
2: whatever this fourth edition came out last year and I also the publishers uh wanted me to do a, a trivia book about uk basketball around about 140 questions and then uh, with the answers to give some kind of story that was then and i've also uh eight novels published so i, I keep writing i'm about 67 words, sixty-seven thousand words into my next novel uh Eight of them are. Is it
0: de- is it sports oriented?
2: No, eight of them are. They're det- mystery detective mysteries with the same lead detective, and they're set in Lexington. So, it's just a series of books. You can pick up any of them. Each story is different. So, just.
0: Can can you still purchase your basketball encyclopedia, And where can you go to? Well, you can get when it. On, you sure? can
2: get it. Uh, you know, Amazon. You order it, and I would I would think that the bookstores have. It. They should have. It. I would think Barnes and Noble and uh, Joseph Beth have it. Thanks, Tom. It's been been a pleasure.
1: The Kentucky Basketball Encyclopedia, as well as other books by Tom Wallace, is available through his website, TomWallaceNovels.com. For more podcasts with Oscar Combs, you can listen to conversations at OscarCombs.comslash podcast. And to listen to Oscar's exclusive interviews with Sam Bowie, Ralph Hackard, and Billy Ray Lickard on your mobile device. Well, there's a couple of ways to do that. For iPhone, iPad users, go to iTunes and search for Ad Wildcat News and subscribe. For Android users, you can find conversations in the Google Play Store. Open the music app and under Podcast, search for Ad Wildcat News and subscribe. Also, we're new on the Stitcher app in which you can download Stitcher and subscribe for free. Search for at Wildcat News on Stitcher. Podcast will automatically download to your device and you'll never miss a conversation with Oscar Combs. And for more with Oscar, you can follow him on Twitter at Wildcat News and you can follow me on Twitter as well at Bo Blue. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Oscar Combs presented by Rafferty's. For Oscar Combs, Tom Wallace, I'm Bo Robinson and as always, go Big Blue.